Amen. Can we give God one more round of applause? Just so happy to be a part of a church that gives and uh, reaches out, just not just here locally, but around the world. But hey, we are so glad that you're here today. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? I hope you are. You're here, right? And so we are, we are glad that you are here. My name is Travis. I'm the next generation pastor here at Church on the Rock. And uh, just excited to be sharing with you uh, today. And uh, how many people know church is fun? Worshiping God is fun. Being in his house is fun. We do want to remember to keep Pastor John and Miss Linnell in our prayers. They're on a little family vacation right now. So we want to pray for them. Listen, I encourage you every day, pray for your pastor. Pray for Miss Linnell that they would just have a great time. They would be refreshed. They would connect one another. Then he would just be raring to come back and have the word of the Lord for the next season that he leads this church. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, today, quick question as we jump into the Word. How many people in here, you've ever been in a situation that you didn't want to be in? Oh, everybody. Okay. Every single person here. And, and this is, uh, I was thinking about this the other day, kind of a little funny story. Uh, in March, my wife and I, wave everyone, there's Whitney, front row, hey, uh, we have two kids. We have a boy and a girl, a three-year-old boy, one-year-old girl, whose birthday is in a few weeks, she'll be two. But a few months ago, we went on a little trip, we went to Branson, and uh, just had a, a good time away together for a few days. But the last day of this trip, my son and I, we decided we were going to go to an indoor water park, Okay. And uh, my wife and I, we had kind of scouted this out a little before uh, the first few days of our trip. And we decided we were going to go to this indoor water park. And uh, Whitney gave me instructions before we left. She said, make sure he doesn't drown, number one. <laughs> number two, make sure he doesn't go down one of the water slides. There's two water slides. And uh, make sure he doesn't go down one of the water slides because he's three and we haven't really conquered swimming yet. We're about there. But we hadn't got it yet, so I said, yes, ma'am. We go to this water park, and it was amazing. A uh, hundred, probably a hundred kids running around everywhere. There was this big pirate ship where kids could run and play, and there was water going everywhere. But on each side of the pirate ship, there was a water slide, probably two to three stories high. And Gabriel and I, we had a little pep talk before we even started playing. Do not go down the water slide, okay? Y'all know where this story's going. And so... <laughs> What ends up happening, inevitably, uh, because my son takes after his mama, he decided, uh, <laughs> he decided that, you know what, he was going to take matters into his own hands, and I'm watching him, and I see him kind of creep towards uh, this water slide on one of the sides. He, he takes a few steps up, and so I jump up because, you know, I'm, I'm like dad, and I'm supposed to be the dad, and so I jump up, and I'm like, I'm running towards the uh, little lifeguard who's 15 or 16 years old, and I'm trying to get his attention, do not let my three-year-old son go down the water slide, okay, and I'm waving at him, I'm yelling at him, because they're up above me, and he get, finally I get his attention, and he goes, oh, okay, and about the time I guess I distracted him as he's looking at me, Gabriel goes down the water slide, and I'm like... Oh, my gosh, you know? And so I run over to the end of the water slide. And it's one of those that just kind of goes like this, and then it just ends. It doesn't go into a pool. I was kind of worried that he was going to get stuck in the water slide, to be honest with you, but he didn't. So I run there, and it seemed like I was in slow motion. I get there at the very end, and Gabriel is coming out, and he's kind of like, what just happened here? And then as he realizes that it's over, I see him get, like, really excited, you know? And so on the outside, I have to say, Gabriel, what were you thinking? 
But on the inside, I was like, that's my boy. You know? We don't have no sissy. Like, he went down the water slide, right? Fathers, you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, uh, we, we went about our day, and it was great. But I'm thinking on this drive back to the place we're staying, oh, man, I got to tell Whitney what happened. I don't know. I don't think I want to tell her what happened. And so as I'm kind of thinking, as we're walking in, how am I going to say this? Is this going to be like when we get home? And uh, How am I going to do this? Anyway, Gabriel doesn't make me have to say anything because he says, Mom, I went down the water slide. And I'm like, he did, you know. And so anyways, Whitney gave me a little pep talk after that. And, and we're good. And <laughs> anyways, we're good, right? Anyways. That's kind of what I want to talk about today, uh, not being a bad father, but being in a place maybe that you don't want to be in. Maybe all of us, again, we can relate to being in a position in our life that we never should have been in before. And this morning, we're going to take a look at a very familiar story. It's the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at a man, a prophet, uh, who did some things, obviously, that he shouldn't have done. And I'm believing that this morning, God, by His Holy Spirit, is going to just Give us a, a fresh look from an old story. Listen, the story of Jonah isn't just about an old dead man. You know, it's a story about all of us, how we see ourselves, but more importantly, how we see God. Listen, if we see God incorrectly, we'll have a misconception of the world that we see around us. We'll see ourselves wrong. We'll see our family wrong. We'll see our mission in life wrong. If we can see God wrong, we will see everything wrong. The biggest deception that the enemy has tried to do in the hearts of, of men and women who, who love God is to get us to see him as a, as a mean, as a, a holding back God, a God that doesn't care about us, a God that wants to keep the good things from us, and it's the farthest thing from the truth. We serve a God this morning, I don't know what situation in life you're in, but we serve a God that knows we serve a God that cares, and we serve a God that wants to help us live the best life that we could possibly live, right? We want to see God correctly this morning, and that's what I'm praying. Listen, I don't know every single person that's in uh, the house uh, this morning. I don't know if your walk with God is going really, really good. I don't know if kind of you've been off track maybe for the last few weeks or few months. You've gotten busy. Maybe you're in here today and you're not even a believer. First of all, we want to say we are so glad that you're here. But my prayer is for every single person when we leave this, leave this place, we will have a better recognition that God does love us, He does care, and we'll have a, a, just a little bit more of a glimpse of what He has next in store for our life. Listen, we don't live in a, God, a world where God just wound up the world and He just left. God is a present help in our life. God knows what's going on, and He wants to help every person that's here. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. We're going to read several verses here, and I think God's going to show you something fresh. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. God, we thank you that you're good, that you're faithful. Lord, today, as we open your word, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, every person in here. God, we've heard this story before. We've been to a lot of church services. God, I pray today that by your spirit, we would just know what you want for us right now in our life. Every one of us, we come from a different background. We have a different story. But everything is, is clear, God, that there is one story, and it's a story of you. And, God, we're part of that. Lord, help us today live and look more like you. God, help us today see what you have for us. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Verse, or verse 1 of chapter 1 of Jonah says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. He went down into it to go with him to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty temp- tempest uh, on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners, they were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and he had lain down, and he was fast asleep. Verse 8. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then he said to them, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I notice because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. Last verse, verse 17. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Amen. Listen, we're all familiar with this story, hopefully, Um, but what I want to do just for the next few minutes that we're together is I want to break down a few things, and the focus of this morning's message is this, what happened to get Jonah from running away from God's calling to run back to God's calling? Because the fact of the matter is, Jonah did not want to do what God wanted him to do. And listen, maybe there's some of us in here this morning that we don't want to do what God wants us to do. We want to do our own thing. Something happened really fast in the life of Jonah to get him from being this backslidden prophet. To read a chapter later, and he actually does go to Nineveh. He does preach, and 120,000 people repent and are saved. So we're going to look today what happened in this transformation of Jonah to get him back on track. Sound good? First of all, we need to understand a little bit about Jonah or his background. Truthfully, we don't know a whole lot about Jonah except there's a whole book about him, okay? Uh, Jesus mentions him in the New Testament. So we know a little bit about Jonah, but what we do know is he's a prophet. Uh, Prophets in the Old and New Testament were people, men and women of God, who God would speak to, and they would speak to the people on behalf of God. So Jonah is a prophet. We realize he's not a very good prophet at the beginning, right? Uh, But we also know he does not want to go to this place called Nineveh. So we have to ask ourselves the question, why does he not want to go to Nineveh? Well, the Ninevites, Nineveh was the city or the capital city for the Assyrians. The Assyrians and the Israelites, they hated one another. 
Most of you in here, you know this, but they were at odds. Assyrians, they were pagan. They were idolaters. And Israel, they had a covenant with God. And so if you read through the Bible, they fight back and forth. A lot of theologians believe that some of these Assyrians had killed some of Jonah's family. So we're starting to get a glimpse of why Jonah, who is a prophet, wants nothing to do with the people of Nineveh. Ultimately, when we get uh, to Jonah, when God tells Jonah to go and tell the people of Nineveh to repent, we realize that he doesn't want to tell them to do this at all. Jonah wants the people of Nineveh, catch this, to die. He wants them to be judged. He doesn't want God to save them. He wants to be washed his hands clean of it. We actually find out in chapter 4 of Jonah, he says, The reason I didn't want to go to Nineveh, to be honest with you, God, is I know your character, you're loving, you're merciful, and I knew if I went and delivered this message, you would save them. I didn't want you to save them, so therefore I just didn't want to go again. This is Jonah, the prophet, okay? Some of you in here are thinking, man, my life is, you know, not very good or I'm a bad person. Listen, Jonah wanted 120,000 people to die. So, weigh your own life, right? So Jonah does something super selfish. Instead of doing what God wants him to do, he goes the complete opposite direction. He goes to Tarshish, a place 1,500 to 2,000 miles away. Listen, the reason I'm speaking about this this morning is I believe there could be people that are in this room today that maybe you're going 2,000 miles away from where God wants you to go right now in your life. You've heard God tell you to do something. Maybe you've gotten sidetracked. Maybe you're doing your own thing. But God does not want you to go your own direction. God wants to direct your steps. He wants to help you. He wants to give you peace. Ultimately, he wants to give you your best life. The problem that we have in our life is, and the problem that I have, is I think I know better than God in a lot of different areas. You know what I mean? Is anybody, can you be honest? God, I know what's up. It's 2017. I'm, 30, I'm 32 years old. Like, you know, God created everything. And a lot of times we think we want better for our life than what God does. But listen, friend, if you don't hear anything else, God wants you to have a better life than you do. God wants your marriage to be healthier than you do. He wants you to have uh, better kids than you do. So anyways, Jonah, he, he, he decides that he's going to do his own thing. And uh, my prayer today is that if you're doing your own thing, just like Jonah, you would get back on track. God wants to help some people this morning get back on track. Let's jump into this. Three things that helped Jonah get back on track. Sound good? Amen. The first thing that helped Jonah get back on track was God, uh, or the first thing that helped Jonah get back on track is the sailors threw Jonah overboard. Everybody say, you got to throw him overboard. That was, that was a little bit better than the first service. I don't, I don't tell him that. Anyway, Jonah gets on a boat. He doesn't know any of these guys. He pays a fare, and he tags along with them as they're carrying cargo across the ocean to Tarshish. Okay, so we just read, we know what happens. They're on this journey, and a great storm begins to come, okay? This isn't just any storm. This isn't a random storm. This, this storm isn't caused by climate change or whatever. This storm is caused by God. Some of this, this is going to mess with your theology for a second. God allowed the storm to happen. God, throughout the Bible, throughout your life, you can look at, sometimes God will allow things to happen in our life to get our attention. Sometimes because we think we're so smart and we think we got it figured out, God will say, listen, I love you so much. I want to help you. I'm going to call something to happen in your life that will get your focus away from yourself and your focus back on me. He allows this to happen. Listen, friend, a lot of us in here, we're blaming Satan for things that aren't Satan's fault. Sometimes we just need to look in the mirror and be like, yeah, it's my fault, you know? 
This is Jonah. So the storm comes, and here's what happens. The sailors, they start to get afraid. They think they're going to die, and they do a few things. Number one, they start calling out to their gods. Nothing happens. The Bible says something interesting. They start throwing the cargo over the side of the boat, but nothing happens. The ship still continues to break up. So they go down to Jonah, who is asleep on the bottom of the boat. I'm reading this, and I'm like, that's about right. You know what I mean? Anybody had a person in your life that just causes problems all the time, but it's like they don't even know what's going on? You're like, man, every time you come around, something bad happens. You don't even realize. You might be sitting by the person this morning. I, a, few, a few days ago, uh, my wife and I were, were sleeping, and in the last few weeks, inevitably, both of our kids have ended up in our bed. And uh, Aslan, our daughter, she wakes up about 2 or 3 a.m. just crying, just just restless, won't go back to sleep. So Whitney, she walks her around, and then she gives her to me, and I walk her around. Then I give her back to Whitney real fast because she's super mom, and I'm just not really good at that. And anyway, after about 45 minutes, the baby goes back to bed. Well, guess who don't go back to bed? Me. And so I'm laying there, and I'm like looking at my baby girl, and I'm like, this is your fault. <laughs> yeah. And after like 30 minutes, I whisper at Whitney, I'm like, are you awake? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then so this is Jonah, like this turmoil is going on, and Jonah's just asleep. It's like, whatever, just having some dreams. But anyway, they wake him up. He proceeds to tell them who his God is, why there's a storm. He says, it's because I'm running away from God. Then Jonah says something super astonishing to me. He says, the storm will stop if you just throw me overboard. Like, Jonah, I don't know about y'all, but I wouldn't say that. I've been like, throw yourself overboard. Like, just turn back around. Don't throw me overboard, you know? Anyway, he says, throw me overboard, and the storm will stop. So we see what the problem is. Jonah knows he's the problem. He knows that he's causing turmoil for everybody on the ship. What else we know is that the sailors, they know what the problem is as well. It's Jonah. They know the solution, throw Jonah overboard, but what do they do? The Bible says at first they just row a little bit harder. And they throw a little bit more cargo over the sides of the ship. So instead of immediately getting rid of the disobedience or the dysfunction, they decide that they're going to try just a little bit harder. Friend, this is a picture a lot of times of our relationship with God. Sometimes we know there's an area in our life that's out of alignment with God's will. Maybe it's a sin, it's a mindset, it's unforgiveness, it's a relationship that we're in that we shouldn't be in. And instead of giving that thing to God, getting peace and forgiveness and all this stuff, a lot of times we just try and we row a little bit harder. Listen, these sailors rowing harder didn't get them anywhere but in a worse condition. It seems silly to me that these sailors, they know the solution, but they won't do what's necessary to solve the problem. Again, a lot of times in our life, it's the same thing with us. We know the issue, we know the sin, we know the struggle that we have, but instead of dealing with it, instead of giving it to God, instead of seeking forgiveness and getting peace and getting restoration, a lot of times we just try a little bit harder. We try to use a little bit more willpower. Listen, if we could do everything on our own, we wouldn't need Jesus. We understand this, right? Some of us in here, we think that we can take care of it ourselves, and we can just pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But friend, that's why Jesus came to die, because we need him. Not to just go to salvation and be the, the bridge between us and God, but so we can live an overcoming life here on the earth. 
Listen, some of you in here this morning, if you're to be honest with yourself, you've been dealing with something in your life for maybe months or years. Is it not time to deal with the root of the issue, get freedom, get forgiveness, and move on with your life? There's some people in here, you've been hurt by somebody, and what happened to you was bad. It was tragic. God never wanted that to happen to you, but that was a long time ago. And God wants to bring forgiveness. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to fix broken pieces of your life. Listen, I really feel there's people in here this morning. God wants to restore you. He wants to do a deep work in your life. We need to get to the root of some issues. Some of us in here, it's time we start cutting roots down and not just limbs. The problem a lot of us have, maybe you're in here and you have a problem in your marriage and you think, man, the problem is we just fight all the time. Listen, that's a symptom of a deeper problem. And the deeper problem is you have pride. And God wants to cut that down in your life. Maybe some of you in here, you've got an issue at work or with your family and there's some fear surrounding a decision that you need to make and you're thinking, man, the root is that I have fear. No, the root is we have a lack of faith in God. Listen, fear in our life isn't anything when we think about God. God is bigger than fear. And so all the time in my life I'll pray, God, let my faith be bigger than this fear that I'm feeling. The enemy wants you to be afraid. He wants you to be afraid of of always being in the situation that you're in. He wants you to be afraid that you'll never be able to get out. He wants you to be afraid that you're never going to hear God's voice. Listen. I just want to challenge you with this. If you're following God every single day, you're not going to miss his plan for your life. A lot of us, we get so over-spiritualized and we're looking like for, for, for treasure maps to see where God wants us to go. If you just will spend time with God every day, you will not miss it. We have faith in God to save our souls. When we pray the, pray the prayer of faith, do you have faith that God can bring you into a new relationship? Do you have faith that God can heal an old wound? Do you have faith that God can give you purpose and direction for your life? Because in some areas we have huge faith. Then in the simple things, it's like we don't have faith at all. If God can save your soul, he can give you purpose. Amen? Some of you quit looking for purpose and quit looking for where you're supposed to do with your life. Spend time with him. He'll direct your steps. The Bible says that he's a light unto our path. He's going to show you a little bit. He's not going to give you the first 10 chapters. He'll give you the next sentence. Be faithful with the next thing he calls you to do. Amen? Amen. The next thing that I find interesting about this story is that the sailors threw the cargo overboard. This ship, like I said earlier, by all accounts, it's a cargo ship. Its job was to carry cargo across the ocean. So the sailors give up their purpose in exchange for their problem. They're throwing the wrong thing away. Listen, what is the purpose of traveling across the ocean if when you get there, you have no cargo? That's your point. See, they protected the problem over the purpose. They protected the problem over the promise. Some of us today, we may be doing the same thing. We're sacrificing our purpose, our calling, our anointing from Almighty God for an issue, for a sin, for something easy or convenient, for something temporary. And listen, it's not worth it. I want to encourage some people today to start throwing the wrong or the right things overboard. Hold on to the good things. Throw the bad things overboard. Don't throw your purpose overboard. Don't throw your peace overboard. Don't throw the plan for God overboard. Don't throw your integrity overboard. Don't throw the standards in your life overboard. Throw your dysfunction overboard. 
Throw your disobedience overboard. Throw your pride overboard. Throw your lust overboard, right? Let's throw the right things overboard. I want to encourage some people kind of ride along with this as well. We need to start uh, valuing and and ordering uh, or, or scheduling, rather, our values. Here's what I mean by this. If I was to give every person in here a blank sheet of paper and say, I want you to write down the top five or ten priorities in your life. Top five or ten. Most of us, we would say, God, he's the number one priority. That's pretty good, right? My marriage, my family, uh, my career, and, and the list goes on down the line. Most of us in here, we would write those things down. But my question to us this morning is this. If those things are the things that we value, are we doing those things in our life? Because we say a lot of times we value certain things, but a lot of times our life and our actions don't line up with our belief system. None of us in here, if we're to be honest, in the top five would say social media or Netflix. We'd say family and God, that's the most important thing in my life. Yet are we spending time with God because we're doing this, that, and the other? Listen, I'm not chastising us at all, but I'm saying, listen, we need to throw the right things overboard. Listen, social media and the Netflix, man, that's, that's good stuff, but they can wait. If my relationship with God is what I've been throwing overboard, maybe I need to pull that back up and say, you know what, I'm going to turn my phone off. Yeah. I'm going to spend time with my family. If I value my family, how much time do I really spend with them? Listen, this is our life. How are we going to live our life? How are we going to prioritize things in our life? Um, Listen, when the sailors finally mustered up enough courage to throw Jonah overboard, the situation in their life changed. And before we think that that's just a barbaric story, listen, God had a plan for Jonah, and it wasn't 20,000 leagues under the sea. Moving along, throw the right things overboard and keep the right good things in your life, right? Here's the second thing that happened to Jonah to get him back on track is that Jonah had to get the focus off of himself. Check it out. Jonah has an agenda. Jonah wants the Assyrians to be judged by God. He wants them to die. He didn't want them to be saved. How hypocritical is that? You are a prophet. Like, go save somebody. Like, go prophesy. Yet he doesn't want to work for the very God who he's supposed to be working for. Listen, I find out a lot of times in my own life, a lot of times in the life of other believers around me, sometimes we work against the very God that we're called to submit to. See, Jonah, he was super selfish. He had his own ideas. He had his own goals, his own wants, his own beliefs. And he placed them in higher priority than he did to Almighty God. And that's backwards. Did you know that Jonah's name literally means dove? When you see the word dove symbolized in the Bible, you should always symbolize that with the Holy Spirit. Right? And by the way, today we celebrate Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. Yeah. Here's the deal. Jonah, uh, in, the Old, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is what? He's one of the three in the triune, the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit's job? It's to do a lot of things. Number one is to comfort us. It's to guide us. It's to empower us. It's to walk beside us, all sorts of things, to convict us. Jonah's role was to go to the Ninevite people and communicate to them that they needed to repent. God was using Jonah as a vessel, just like every Old Testament prophet, as a precursor to the Holy Spirit that would be given on, in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit, right? He is mandated from God. He's supposed to go be a vessel used by God. And it's the same mandate that every single person in here that calls himself a Christian is called to do. We are called to go bring reconciliation to the world. 
to tell people that, you know what, God loves you, he has a plan for your life, but your sin separates you from God. The good news is Jesus died on the cross for you, and if you'll repent of your sins and believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. The reason that we are still on this planet after salvation is to help bring reconciliation to a lost world. That's why we're here. If you're wondering what your purpose is, listen, it's not just to have a good marriage. It's not just to raise 2.2 kids. It's not to just have a couple of big houses. Your priority in your life, the reason that you're here, is to go make disciples. It's to be a, a banner or a vessel of reconciliation to tell people there's an answer. His name is Jesus, and you can have a relationship with him. That's why you're here. That's why we're here. So... Uh, if you read the whole story, you know that Jonah finally, listen, he goes and he does what God wants him to do. He goes to Nineveh. They repent. But you realize that Jonah still wasn't happy about the whole thing. You read the last part of Jonah. Jonah, I mean, again, the whole time, Jonah's not like your ideal prophet. At the end of the story, he's mad still. He still don't like the people, but he did what God wanted him to do. We have to understand something as followers. It's not what I want to do, but it's what he wants me to do. Jonah understood something after three days in the belly of that fish, that it's not my will, it's your will. Look what he says in chapter 2, verse 7. He says, when my life was failing or fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you. In your holy temple, verse 9, skip down to verse 9, he says, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He's basically saying, you know what, not my will, but your will be done. I don't want to save them, but you know more than I do. I will do what I vowed to do. I'll go preach repentance to them. That sounds a lot like me, what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right before he's about to be crucified, right before he's about to be captured, he prays to God, God, if this cup can pass, let it pass. But if not, not mine, but your will be done. And we know what happens. He died on the cross for the sins of mankind. I want to remind some people today of the vow that you took to follow him, to obey him. Listen, we are called to make Jesus the Lord of our life. Not to just say, I believe in God. The demons believe in God. Satan believes in God. He believes in Jesus. But they will never go to heaven because they've never submitted to the lordship of Jesus. Listen, we're called to make him the Lord of our life. The biggest battle that we face is putting Jesus on the throne in our own life. Most people, we want to live on the throne and we want Jesus on the cross. Friend, Jesus is off the cross. Paul said, I die daily. C.S. Lewis wrote this, there's only one uh, throne in our life. Who's on it in your life? You are God. Listen, if you're off track, it's time to get back on track. His way is the way of life. His way is the way that will help you. His way will produce peace and joy in your life. Earlier I said uh, that Jonah's name means dove. Well, Bill Johnson does an amazing teaching uh, on this subject. In John chapter 1, verse 32, look what it says. It says, John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Bill Johnson says this. If in the natural I have a dove sitting on my shoulder and I don't want it to fly away, how am I going to live my life? Well, every step would be with the dove in mind. How I walk, how I talk who I'm with, everything would be with a dove in mind. Listen, that's what we're called to do as followers, to walk around with, with Christ in mind. Should I do this? Should I not do this? I want to encourage some people to live with a dove in mind. Not my will, God, but your will be done. Listen, whatever you want me to do, I will do. Listen, my life, the Bible says, is not my own, that I was bought with a price. 
God has a better plan for my life than I do. And too many times in our life we're so selfish. God wants us to start seeing outside of the box. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to do what we've been called to do because when we actually follow God, when we live a life with Jesus in mind, when Jesus is really the Lord of our life, our life is better and we're awakened to the purpose that we all have and that purpose is to reach people. Uh, a few weeks ago, a lot of you knew, we took about 35 people on a beach trip uh, to Gulf Shores, Alabama. There ended up being a, a big music concert or festival going on for three days before that. Tens of thousands of people were there. And we decided that we were just going to outreach to these people. And so we did a little bit of training, and, and we went out. We spoke to about 500 people. We prayed for right at 250 people. And we saw awesome things happen. We saw people rededicate their life. We saw people be saved. Most of these people were under the age of 35 years old, and they were drinking and cussing, and a lot of them were high. They were just there to have a good time, and God used us to minister to them, and it was amazing. It was great to see our group be bold and be courageous, uh, but I'll be honest, it was a little disheartening for me at the end of the trip. Statistics show that people under 35 years old, that's Generation Z, and that's the millennial generation, 30% of people under 35 years old claim no religious affiliation. 30%. That means non. When you're filling out, what are you, Christian, Muslim, Baptist, whatever, Catholic? No, I'm none. And what was disheartening to me is when we were on those, you know, out, out there in Gulf Shores talking to people, I found that number to be actually low. There's a lot of people that are away from God. And church, it's our job again to bring reconciliation to these people. We can't we can't save people, but we can be vessels used by God. Listen, I think one of the problems in the American church is, listen, we get really good at doing church services. I love church services. I love being here. I love worshiping together. I love Pastor John's word. It's edifying every single week. But listen, we need to be better out there than we are in here. Right? You know, I had two different experiences in college. I played baseball and football. Uh, baseball, I, I played and, and started several games, had uh, just a, a great experience. Football, I got redshirted. And what that means is all you do is practice, but you never go play the games. There's a lot of Christians that we've become redshirt Christians where we come and we hear amazing messages, we hear great worship, we're touched, we, uh, you know, uh, analyze things, we get it, but then we don't go out and do anything. Listen, this is the season of our life to do what we are created to do. I see people all the time talk about Christianity is boring and this is boring. No, you're doing it wrong. Listen, this is as great as this is. This is practice. I want to play in the game. The game is out there and they're dying. And we need to be vessels of reconciliation to people. What does that mean? Be directed by the Holy Spirit. God, my career is yours. My money is yours. Everything you want me to do is yours. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. You want me to pray for someone? I'll pray for someone. I'll do whatever. Listen, if we live a life like that, we will be blessed and we will be encouraged and we will live an abundant life. Here's the final thing as Nick is coming up with the band. The final thing that happened to get Jonah back on track was he got swallowed by a whale. Here's the deal. For years, I, I'd read this story, and I'd be like, man, God got him. You know what I mean? God got him. He got swallowed by the whale. God was punishing him. He was a bad prophet. He ran away, and God was just taking out his wrath and, and all this. But, you know, a few weeks ago, I was reading this, 
story, and then I just realized, man, this well wasn't a picture of punishment at all, but this well, in reality, was a picture of God's grace. Was Jonah disobedient? Yes. Was he selfish? Yes. Was he disciplined by God? Yes. But the Bible says in verse 13 that God prepared a well for him. How crazy is it that God allowed this huge fish to come up right at the right time where he gets thrown into the water. He created the belly of this fish to be habitable for three days and three nights. See, by all accounts, Jonah deserved to be in the bottom of the ocean. But what did he receive? God's mercy and God's grace. That's the God that we serve. Listen, God could have been done with Jonah. He could have went and found another prophet, no doubt. Jonah knew it. Look what he says in chapter 2, verse 5, as I'm just about finished. He says, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head and the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. See, God wasn't being mean to Jonah. He was saving him. That's the God that we serve. Some of you in here today, maybe you've got questions in your life. God, where are you? Why are you letting this happen to me? What's going on? And maybe what you thought was God being mean to you is actually God saving you. Saving you from more pain. Saving you from more heartache. Saving you from disqualifying yourself. Saving you from another broken heart. At the end of the book, we see, or in the second chapter, we see Jonah go, and he preaches repentance. God saves 120,000 people. But listen, he saved more than 120,000 people that day. He saved 120,000 and one. Because Jonah, just like those people in Nineveh, they needed to be rescued. He needed to be rescued. He needed to have a turnaround moment. And listen, even though he thought his life was over when he got tossed in the sea, God said, I'm not done with you yet. I still have a plan. I still have a purpose. See, today maybe you think that God is done with you and God can't use you, but I'm here to tell you, God can use you. You may think I've ran too far, I've been too inconsistent, you don't know my past. Listen, I don't need to know your past. God knows your future. Listen, maybe you think, man, uh, my life right now has a big period at the end, a big exclamation point, but I'm here to tell you, God is a God of commas. But Jesus did this. Some of you in here, you've been running away from God. I'm here to tell you, there is no extent to how far God will go to rescue you. You can read throughout the Bible. The Bible is a rescue book. The Bible says that Jesus, he's preaching to thousands. He leaves them. He crosses a lake to go to a demon-possessed man. He casts the demon out and turns right back around. The Bible says that Jesus went to a well, the hottest part of the day, and sat there alone and waited for a woman who had been married five times, living with a man that wasn't her husband. Why? So he could give her living water. God prepared a fish for Jonah, not to say, I'm done with you, but to say, I've got more in store for your life. Listen, that's a God we serve. I want you to stay on your feet this morning. Today, you need to know two things. He loves you. He cares about you. And actually, a third thing, he's not done with you yet. Listen, if you've been running away from God, you need to know three things. Number one, you need to start throwing the right things overboard. Throw the right things overboard. Number two, stop being so selfish. Our life is not our own, man. Let's just be people that spend time with God and we reach out to others. And finally, realize God's plan is to restore us. Listen, I'm going to pray for us here in a second. I want my prayer team to come up real fast. I know I've went a moment or two over. 
but I want to pray. Listen, if you're in this place today and you say, man, I need God's grace in my life. Maybe I need a second chance in something. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. Man, I need God's grace for an area of my life. I got my hand lifted. God, help me. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you today. God, we thank you that your Bible says that your grace is sufficient. God, we thank you that, uh, God, you give us mercy and you give us grace. Lord, I pray for every person here that you would give us a second chance. God, that we would throw the right things overboard. We would keep the right things. That we would have uh, an outlook that's just like you. You would give us the eyes of Christ, the mind of Christ. We would reach hurting people. And God, we would know that you're a rescuer. God, I pray grace over my friends in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before we go into a final worship song, listen, maybe you're in here today, and just like Jonah, man, you're running away from God. Maybe you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Listen, the Bible says, again, that God created mankind and all of us have sinned, and that sin separated us from God. And the Bible says that Jesus came and lived a perfect life so we could be restored to God. So you could have eternity spent in heaven with God, but so that you could have heaven here on earth. So you could have an overcoming life. Listen, if you're in this place today, if you're to be honest and say, you know what? Two things. Number one, I've never put my trust in Jesus. I've never made him the Lord of my life. I'm Jonah. I'm running away from God, but today I recognize I need him. Or number two, you're someone that's in here, and to be honest, you're just kind of backslidden a little bit. You're just doing your own thing, and you know you need to run back to God. If that's you real fast, and you say, man, I just want to respond. I want to come back to God. I want you to raise your hand real fast. I see you. I see a few people right there. Can we give it up for them real fast? Amen. Listen, here in just a second, you few that raise your hand, meet me at the cross. Let's close out today's service worshiping God. If you need prayer for anything, we're here. God bless you.